I really think that we are going to get mm -hmm. that back, that that passion of collecting music and, and showing that you were there first. Also, when you discover an artist, when they, nobody knows them and you buy their NFT, you actually have proof that you supported them in the beginning and you, they will be forever grateful and you will never be forgotten because that, that, that transaction is always that the artist can go back in the beginning of that smart contract and see who was the first person who bought my music and they, they can always reward this person. And that's a beautiful thing. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I am excited to be here today with Nifty Sax. So Nifty is an award-winning saxophonist, composer, and music director, and he has a wealth of knowledge as it relates to music NFTs. And he has a really cool, really cool platform that he's built. He's created a ton of music NFTs himself, has a very successful history with creating NFTs with using a saxophone. He sold over 60 ETH, which is you know, currently worth over $70,000 of his own NFTs. And not only that, but he's actually helped other artists and helped them generate over $280,000 worth of music NFTs. And so he's someone that really leads by example, and he's helping other artists as well. And you know, personally, I'm a big fan of the music NFT movement. And I know there's been, you know, there's, there's been a lot of controversy around NFTs and there's been like a, a spike, like in a drop, in a bubble pop, because like most new technologies, it seems like there's, there's a hype bubble that kind of happens at the beginning and there's things that are overvalued, like a gif of a hamster should never sell for a million dollars. But it definitely seems like there's unique things like music, for example, and artwork where there's a really valid use case for something like NFTs. So I'm really excited to bring him on the podcast today and talk a little bit more about Web3 and the world of music NFTs. And yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, Nifty. Oh, it's great to be here. And yeah, you said it. I mean, that's, that's really, that's what happened. Like in the beginning, there was so much speculation that it, it really hurt the whole, the whole space because that, that's what people associate NFTs with. So we're basically just getting started now. The things are kind of settled down and so we're doing things in a bit more of a realistic way. And, and yeah, I'm loving it. It's of course a bit slower and the community is very small right now, but that's the best place to start. Imagine like starting when YouTube was, was uh, getting started. That's kind of the vibe right now. It's a new technology and it's very few people doing it and not with not so much financial return for now, but the, the community is great. That's, that's why we're still here. Awesome. So to kick things off, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and kind of how you discovered music NFTs and started creating them yourself and, and started working with other artists as well and helping them to do their music NFT drops. Yeah, well, for me, it all started with the pandemic because I, I'm a full-time musician. So when I was uh, out of a job, I was just playing live gigs. That was my thing. I was, I was playing jazz mostly i was doing a lot of corporate events even weddings or whatever like anything that would have me i, I was playing so I, I i that's that was my life and that went away completely so i had so much time on my hands all of a sudden and all of this 
urge also to play. And I, I, I started to record a whole bunch of music because I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. And yeah, then I, I, I saw that people were selling visual art, digital art on the blockchain using this new technology. And actually it was selling for a lot of money because that was late 2020, early 2021. So yeah, there was still the huge hype. And so, yeah, I, I thought this is cool. I, I have a lot of music. Why don't I try to sell my music as a work of art? Because I always, <laughs> always think of music as, a, as art, which that's what it is. And so, yeah, I did that and I recorded even more stuff because now all of a sudden I have an outlet for it I, because I, I wasn't going to like record a thousand pieces and then put them on Spotify to like, I don't know, to create too much clutter there. So I, I had this whole new thing and I felt completely free. And so, yeah, I did record a hundred pieces of, of uh, saxophone improvisations. And I started to sell those huh. and it went pretty well. Uh, initially, it was really tough. Nobody knew who the hell I was because I started a new account on, on Twitter, which was still called Twitter. And uh, yeah, initially, huh. I, I didn't sell anything for like two or three or four months. But then little by little, things started to pick up. And so I, I started to meet some collectors, people that were curious about uh, digital assets. And so, yeah, I... I learned a lot on the way and I made some mistakes and I created a lot more music. And yeah, that, that led me to, to my second collection, which was called Spheres, which was another 55 tracks that I recorded, which is also unusual. Usually for an album, you do like, I don't know, seven or 10 or 12 songs. But I, I, this, this new avenue really allowed me to, to be completely wild. And, and yeah, so I created this collection called Spheres, which was... Again, just saxophone solos, but this time with a very chill vibe, with a huge reverb. And, and I created this effect that allowed me to kind of play with every note that I played in the minute before. So every note that I play stays on for like 60 seconds. So I have to keep kind of layering some notes that work with what I played before. And the sound that comes out is a little bit like a, almost like a pad, like a synth because you still have the tail of all this, the notes that I played before, creating this, this slow chords. And that had a lot of success. Mm. That was really, I made, with that collection, I made something like $40,000 in one night. So that was like completely mind-blowing for me. And that's when <laughs> wow. really everything... Was that, and that was like right when you did that initial drop, it, it was 40000 right out of the gate? Yeah. I mean, of course, as, a, as a, any overnight success, it took me like from, what mm. is it, like probably nine months at least of preparation to get there. Like I started to release my first NFTs around February maybe. And, and Spheres, I think, came out around the end of September. So it took me quite a while to get there. But since I had no job and I had nothing to do as a, as a musician just sitting at home, I spent every waking hour I had making connections and getting to know people that knew about this technology. And I wanted to let them know that I was doing mm. that. I, do, I was doing this. That's all I did, really. I, I just wanted people to know that this was out there. And then if they liked it or not, it was up to them, whatever. But I, I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that, that I was there. And so I was doing this uh, Twitter spaces mm. and going to other people's spaces to talk about my collectible music, which at the time was really weird. People did not understand what the hell it was. Like, why would you collect music? Like, I can listen to it for free and whatever. Like, even I can go on Spotify or something. 
So they didn't understand, but some people did, and uh, they thought it was really cool. And so they, they decided to, to buy some of my pieces. And then some of those people that invested early, actually, then they were able to resell some of, some of my pieces to other people because the, the supply is limited. That's, what the, that's basically the only cool thing about NFTs that I would say that remains after all the hype and everything is the fact that you have this thing on, online that is unique. So it's like an up upgraded mp3 where every edition is like signed by the artist because it's released by my wallet and everyone knows its provenance which is what art is all about you need to know where things are coming from that's the only way that they can have value and so so yeah that's that that inspired me to help other people because if i could do it as a saxophone player like i i'm definitely my music is not popular it's very niche very niche stuff but I, I was able to, to make a lot of money. For me, $40,000 was a lot of money for any independent musician. I think that's, that's, that's quite nice. And so, yeah, I just wanted to spread the word. And, and, and that's why we started Nifty Music. That's basically a, a music NFT accelerator. Like we, we take artists in and we show them how they can sell their music online in a way that actually makes sense. Uh, because with Spotify, nobody's really making money and iTunes and whatever. People don't really buy music anymore, probably because it's, it doesn't feel special. But in this way, we have a, a way to make it special again. And so, yeah, we, we, we helped quite a few artists and they created beautiful connections with, with their listeners, their fans, which now have this, these assets that are there forever, theoretically, as long as the blockchain is around. And yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful, fun ride. Last year was tough because, as you said, the market went down. And so when the hype died down, a lot of people left just because they thought, oh, it's all over. Like this was just a fad. And so right now we are finally, as I said before, we're finally entering the, the, the beginning of, of everything where, where we're doing things in, in a more reasonable way. And, and yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still awesome. The community is very tight. <laughs> Mm. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. The thing that comes to mind as it relates to music NFTs is the Gartner hype cycle. Yeah, I've seen that graphic a bunch of times now in the past year, and it it really kind of showcases the trend that new technology usually takes in terms of there's like an initial hype cycle, and it's like overvalued. And basically, every cutting edge technology is sort of you know, gone through the same cycle, like the internet, for example, it's a huge hype and overvalue. And then there's a pop. And so there's like the dot-com bubble that burst and like music NFTs, we had this bubble that, that burst. And then there's this skepticism kind of like a low point where like, oh, like this was a fad, this is just not legit. And then there's the slope of enlightenment where, it, where people are like, oh, like, actually this does have a valid use case in these situations. And it becomes more of like people understand what the technology means, not necessarily because they understand the underlying tech that runs it, but because they understand the utility that they get from it. Like the internet, most people don't really understand the actual technical aspects of how the internet functions with like post requests and get requests and the underlying fabric of it. But we all understand how valuable it is and what it does for us. So it definitely seems like we're kind of entering this era of nfts and the utility and like the understanding of like ownership based on the platforms that 
you know, that we can actually use those in, in a valid way. So I love the fact that you're building on this space and that you personally have you know, experience doing this yourself and working with other artists and helping them do successful drops. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective, having gone through this yourself, having you worked with you know, a ton of other artists now and helped them have success with it, what are some of the common you know, challenges or biggest mistakes that artists tend to make when they first enter the world of music NFTs? Oh, the mistakes are, there are so many things that I've, that I've made myself. I mean, the, the first thing probably is going into it without knowledge, without understanding how things work and just, just winging it. That's probably the, like as a general, <laughs> as general as I can be, that's the, the biggest one. Like, because it's tempting, like, oh, it's a new thing. I just want to try. But I, I would say it's better to actually take some time to learn uh, a little bit about how things work. Like people don't have to, for example, when, when, when the internet came around, people didn't really have to know how to build a website. But if you did, you had definitely had an advantage. If you, and even right now, like right now, building a website is super easy. There are tools that basically do it for you. But if you know a little bit of HTML, a little bit of JavaScript and CSS, this kind of stuff, it does help you. You, you can actually understand how certain things go together and then you can actually customize your product in a, in a more efficient way. So this is, this is similar now. Like it's, it's really the early days. So things will change and they will get super easy. So right now you don't have to become an expert in the blockchain, like know, knowing how to create your own smart contract and everything. But it does help to know at least how how it works. Have pay other people to create smart contracts for you. That's fine. But at least understanding how things work really gives you a leg up. And so that's that's the first mistake. And then the second bis- biggest mistake that I see people doing is is coming in guns blazing again. Like you 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 okay. First of all, you're not going to learn how things work. You don't want to learn about the new technology and and the community and anything. And and then you come in with your best work, like, oh, this is awesome. I'm just going to create this on the blockchain. This is my best work ever. And then you regret it because you realize, oh, I, I got this work out there and now it's there forever. I can't delete it. And actually, I would have liked to release it in a in a better way. But now you can't. <laughs> so usually what what we recommend, because education is really our biggest thing. That's what we do. And what, what we recommend initially, just, just start slow talk with other people and start with something that you create right now. Like go in your room, go to your studio, whatever, record something and just something that sounds good to you, but, but don't, don't go too crazy about it. Just make something that sounds good. And especially something that sounds really like you don't try to sound like something else. Don't try to make something that you think might work because things are different here. So what I always say is, go and make the music that you always thought you wanted to make. Like when you were a kid, like the craziest music that you think it's just, it's something that is not going to work in your mind. This shouldn't work. It's too crazy. Make that and, and release it on the blockchain and, uh, you know, put it in a small edition, like 10 copies, 20 copies or 50, like keep it small and just have some, some people collect it and see what, what that feels like. And, uh, and then try something else, do another song, and then, you know, go to your collectors and see if they like that one. And then you find new collectors. So you slowly build your, your fan base in a way, but, but you, actually, you actually create deep connections with these people because they, there's something that happens when people collect your work, when they, they feel like they own it. 
And by own it, I don't mean that they own the copyright of it. They just own that copy. It's really just like a vinyl. They own that, that particular copy that is signed by you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really special. When you have like a, a hundred or 200 people in your network that are really passionate about what you're doing, that can pretty much sustain a career for, for an independent musician, which is the theory of the thousand true fans in, in reality. That's, that's kind of what it is. So yeah, these are some, some mistakes that come to mind. There are many, many others, but these are definitely the biggest ones. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So it sounds like the biggest thing is coming into it, one, being humble enough to to look to learn and get some guidance coming into it so you can better understand it rather than just come in guns a blazing. And to you start small and start with something you know, new that you're not super attached to so that if you only have one chance to release your greatest work ever, you want to kind of do it in the right way. So maybe start by experimenting with something that's new that you can create on the spot. Maybe we could... Really, really quickly, just sort of zoom out. And for anyone who's listening to this right now, who maybe they're actually totally new to like the music NFT space, and they might be a little bit confused by like some of the things we talked about, I don't know, like smart contracts or just in general, like the overall concept. Actually, yeah, this would be a great thing to to address. It's just sort of that, that main uh, premise of not getting it, of not understanding why is this different from Spotify? Why is this like, why would I why would I pay to own a piece of music if I can listen to it for free on my Spotify subscription? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always a great, great topic of discussion because it's, it's where everything starts. That's really the differentiator between the old way and the new way. So our music is also on Spotify. It's everywhere. Like you can listen to it for free. It's fine. We don't, we don't mind. The, the good thing about the, the digital asset is that you can actually be, first of all, you can be creative in your release. For example, for some of our artists, for some, some, some of the collections that we advise them on, we say, look, you got this song. It's a great single. Why don't you record it also in different ways and release them all? Like in the same collection, you've got an acoustic version with a guitar and then you, you play a little bit of piano. You want to play it also on the piano. Maybe there's a friend of yours that plays some other with, with weird instrument. You want to do a version like that and you can you can also release it with different cover arts you can have 10 different cover arts you can have a hundred and whatever you want and they're all unique and that's that's really cool for us because it's as an artist it really gives you this new avenue of creativity i really love the the idea of of having a song that I really like in different versions. And especially because I'm indecisive. I don't know which, which version is the best. I would like to release all of them. And I can, because I'm not bound to like having this traditional album, which you can still have. You can put on Spotify, you can put the album in its finished form, the way that, you know, that you really think is the ideal way to, to go to market and whatever. But you can have this, this unique special versions on on the blockchain and you can have people collect them because maybe some people really like that unique version and this is a, an avenue to to put it out there and so yeah that's that's probably the the thing that excites me the most as an artist myself i just i just like the idea that i can experiment more and i don't have to to worry because actually what i consider sometimes a bit weird and maybe awkward like i wouldn't want to put it on my spotify page that's the perfect stuff to put on the blockchain because it's it's really a work of art. It's like if if somebody likes you as an artist, they really will want the sketch. They will want all of the the special things that they cannot get on the other places. 
but anyway, regardless, even if you were to release all of the all of the music on Spotify, let's say, okay, you got a single, you you do it in four different versions, you put it on Spotify, that's fine. But still, the the difference is that here you have versions that are signed by you, and will always be recognized as your work. So they're all unique copies. So basically, it's really just like a vinyl. It's but but vinyls are are difficult. Most people don't know how to play them. They don't they don't have a, a record player or there's international shipping and all this kind of stuff. This is basically free for the artist to create, but still gives. The, to the listeners, it gives them a chance to have something unique because you could have in your collection of a hundred pieces, you could have one piece that is really, really special. And maybe there's a drawing that you, that you made by hand and it's a really unique version where, I don't know, your voice broke a little bit and you want to have that to be special. And you, you can, because these versions are numbered just like a vinyl. So that's, that's what's what's exciting. It's really an improvement on the MP3 because MP3s are all the same. They're boring. Nobody really wants to buy an MP3. It's just something that we tried to do as a, as, a, as an industry, but it doesn't really work. Nobody cares about buying your music on iTunes. They would rather listen to it for free, as you said. But maybe somebody might like the idea of owning a special piece of your history. And that's what that's what it's all about, really. Awesome answer. Yeah, so, so it sounds like the two main things that come to mind are one that with nfts you you can take a you can take a route where you actually are creating unique content that's more weird or there's different versions that just don't necessarily have a place on your spotify but you can be more creative and bombastic and just do like fun things that you turn into music nfts that are a little bit like having a collector's edition of i don't know of a video game if you have like the ultimate edition that comes with a bunch of extra goodies that you can do something similar with NFTs. And yeah, definitely. then the other thing that you mentioned was just the, the fact that it's sort of like having a signed copy of a vinyl. Like if, if, if you have a NFT, then it's, it's basically like you're signing it with your signature and you have an authentic original you know, piece that, you know, if you have a signed autograph from Taylor Swift, then that's immediately just by having that signature is going, if it's an authentic signature, it's going to increase the value of whatever the CD is. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's really what we, yeah, that's, that is what is, is left after the hype because there was a lot of bullshit, to be honest, like <laughs> around NFTs. There's a lot of weird things mm. that people came up to justify the idea of selling something at a higher price also. And, and with speculation, like people thought, oh, I'm going to, invest in this artist and then I'm going to be a millionaire because then when they become famous, whatever, I'm going to resell the work, which, yeah, maybe it can still happen, but that's really not the point. The point is just to have this, this connection and these, these special copies of, of, of the music. And, and I think we also, we as musicians, we, we are also music fans and, and we, we kind of lost that, that idea of having this special piece of memorabilia. Probably it's not for everyone, but the people that like to have these uh, unique things, now they, they can, and they can be digital. So you can bring them with you wherever you go and they're, they never get damaged or, or, or lost. And you can always check where something is coming from. So you're, not, you're ne never going to be scammed because you, you can see on the blockchain, everything is transparent. You can see the transactions that happened. The artist created the piece, then sold it once, then sold it again. But you always see where it came from. 
that's really something beautiful. And I really think that we are going to get mm -hmm. that back, that that passion of collecting music and, and showing that you were there first. Also, when you discover an artist, when they nobody knows them and you buy their NFT, you actually have proof that you supported them in the beginning and you, they will be forever grateful and you will never be forgotten because that, that, that transaction is always that the artist can go back in the beginning of that smart contract and see who was the first person who bought my music and they, they can always reward this person. And that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, so we've talked about this before, but one of the things that I'm most excited about with our goal with Modern Musician is to create our music relic marketplace and to have an NFT marketplace for kind of bridging the gap between Web 2.0 and Web 3.0. And for me, where that shows up most, what happened most recently was we have a channel in our Discord called Share Your Music. And we have a ton of artists who are coming in and sharing their music. And I love hearing everyone's music. It's really special. Just to, that's what we're all here for is to share who we are. And our music is an expression of that. But every once in a while, when I'm listening to through there, I'm like completely blown away or I'm like, this is absolutely incredible. Like, holy cow. And I've had this, this thought a few times. Now. I'm like, man, we really need to get like an extremely quick and fast integration with the music relics so that any new artists who are coming in, we just have them share their relics in that channel exclusively because I want to go in and like buy people's relics. Like I would love to own one of their original you know, music relics that, that they created. And I was kind of reflecting on that, that I, the la I can't remember the last time I bought a digital download or that I bought even like a vinyl. Like I'm, I'm not really like, I'm not much of a, of a collector in general, but I would personally be spending a lot more on these collectibles because, because they are something that's unique, because they are something that actually can be collected and can be showcased. And so it sounds like a big part of what you're describing with the value of music NFTs is from the fact that it actually is like a tangible asset that has a limited amount and it can be, and it can be collected and you know, maybe showcased in a way that the Mona Lisa, um, even though it can be duplicated and recreated and you could have a clone of the Mona Lisa on your wall, just because you can enjoy the artwork and it's on your wall, doesn't mean that it's worth $800 million like the original, but the original has that high value because it is authentic and it's one of one of a kind. It's one of one. Yeah. Um, it definitely seems like there's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's really something beautiful. And yeah, as you said, like people are more prone to to buy things online because it's just it's just easier a lot of people just are afraid that maybe they don't have space they live in a big city they have a small apartment they they're not gonna have a, a hundred vinyls but they might have a hundred nfts if they really like to support music they might support their create the favorite creators on on patreon or something like that but here they also get something out of it they get a special unique digital asset that they can keep forever so yeah it's it's really it's really beautiful. That's what we're here for. We really want to spread the word because I I know that I, I see it on on the artists' faces when they realize this. It's they they really light up. They they they're excited again. I I've seen people really that they before they started to release music with us they they almost quit. They they had some success before, but it never really worked out. And now they they're so excited because there's so many avenues to be creative. And and yeah, we love that. Awesome. 
So I see some questions coming in here in the chat. A couple of good ones from Joe Eddy. So Joe asked, can you talk about the technologies that you use to create and publish and sell the NFTs, setting up your wallet, what tools you use to create this and get it on the blockchain? Are there marketplaces that are better than others? I'd love to hear your perspective. I think you have a, a ton of experience on the landscape of music NFTs right now. Sure. Yeah, these are good questions. So it's going to be difficult to, to pack everything in a short answer. And we do have a course where we really go in depth about this, but let's, let's try to, to break it down. So for, for wallets, it really, first of all, it matters where you're going to release your music on. So what kind of blockchain, because unfortunately it's so early right now that there are different blockchains. And so the, the problem with this is that some blockchains might disappear, which has happened already. So if your stuff is on a blockchain that nobody uses, then it's basically gone, right? So that's kind of a, a problem of being early. So initially, what you're going to do is some research on what blockchain has the most chance of being around long term. And, and it's also kind of affordable for you because some blockchains, like if you want to release something on Bitcoin, for example, it's, it's very inefficient. Bitcoin is not really made for releasing NFTs. You can do it. There are ordinals now that what, what they, they're called ordinals, NFTs on Bitcoin, but it's really inefficient. It's super expensive to release something there. So probably not a place where you want to start. Mm -hmm. Usually the, the, the most common blockchain right now is Ethereum. That's where all NFTs are. I mean, not, not all NFTs. That's where the most popular NFTs are, let's say. Then there are many, many others. Tezos is a popular one for, for people that, that want to start because it's very affordable. Then there are all the layer twos of, of Ethereum. But again, this is, is getting too technical too quickly. But first of all, yeah, that's what I meant is do your research about what blockchain you want to use. And then as far as the platform, it really doesn't matter because in the end, you are the platform. The platform is not going to do anything for you. It's, there's no place where you go, release your music, and then magically it sells because it's there. That really doesn't happen. So you, you just have to be somewhere where people will find you. So either you're on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, where, wherever people are ready to collect this work, you should be there. So maybe you're your community on Instagram is not ready for NFTs. Maybe it's too early for them. So you have to find where, where the collectors are. Right now, we, we communicate on X or, or Twitter because that's where most people that are already Web3 enabled, that's where they hang out. So it's usually a good place to, to be. If you want to sell your music on the blockchain, then you can find people that already have a wallet, they, are, they already know what you're talking about, so you can just tell them, here's my product, do you like it? Not, okay, great, you move on to the next person, because there are so many. So yeah, what was the other question? So you asked how to create a wallet and what blockchain to use, what platform? I think there was something else in there. Yeah, I think the uh, last question was if you have any uh, recommendation in terms of like a comparison between different marketplaces right. and what, what, yeah, what, what are some of the best options that are available right now? Right. So yeah, as I was saying, the marketplaces don't really matter because you have to, you have to sell your stuff. So there are many options right now and it, it would be pointless to to mention one or two because they are really all the same and there are many also on different blockchains which could be something to experiment with you know don't get stuck on one blockchain one thing that i would say one sort of mistake that people can make is minting the same thing minting means creating something on the blockchain 
you know, they, they mean the same thing everywhere on every blockchain, which is usually not ideal. So this is what we're used to in Web2. You want to be everywhere, which is great. When you release something mm. on Spotify, you, you don't want it to be just on Spotify. That would be ridiculous because that's, that's how you want people to find you. They, they should be able to listen to your music for free. But when you're talking about owning it, now you have to be very careful because if you create something in a billion copies, then what's the value in that? What's, what's special? For me as a collector, I buy one of your pieces and you have a billion on Ethereum and a, a trillion on Tezos and another trillion on, on Polygon, <laughs> then I, I just lose the whole point. So that's something to, to be mindful of. So I would say experiment with different blockchains. But as I was saying before, try something new, record something just for that blockchain, just a different version for Tezos and a different version for Optimism and another version for Algorand or whatever. And, and try, try to see what happens. But Another thing to be careful of, don't spread yourself too thin because if you're everywhere, you're, you're nowhere. So one, one thing we recommend is do your research first and then release something in a small batch on one, uh, one blockchain and put all your efforts there because it's going to be tough. Nobody's going to want it. Nobody's going to want to buy it in the beginning because they don't know you. They, to buy something from you, they, they, really, they really need to understand who you are and you're not a scammer. And so, so yeah, that's what I would say about platforms. So the platforms don't really matter. Think about what blockchain you want to use first and then focus your efforts there on a small edition. Create something new and mint it in an edition of 10 and try your luck there. Super smart. You. One thing that comes to mind as I think about uh, music NFTs and just the the nature of creating a limited amount or a limited number of editions for uh, your music is uh, these uh, drops. Like a, any company that focuses on doing drops where there's a limited amount of something and then they sell out really quickly. It seems like a lot of the promotional strategy it, that revolves around this type of limited asset involves doing some sort of like announcements and building up anticipation and ideally having an amount that you're confident you can sell out of because it actually does good things for the overall promotional like strategy. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that specifically around the process of like offering and selling your NFTs and when you're creating a strategy to, you've worked with artists who've done over $280,000 of value with their NFTs. And so yeah, I'd be curious to hear the strategy that goes around doing a drop or doing a release. And how do you think about doing that initially? Yeah, that's a great question. And drops, yeah, as you said, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. It's it's because it's kind of scary also in the beginning when you when you think, okay, I will release a limited amount of this because you always think, oh, what if I release more? I could make more money, but but it's not it's not the case. And also sometimes the point is not making all the money in one drop as much as you can. The point is really to have a career. You don't, you don't want to make some money and then disappear and then nobody buys your stuff anymore. So it's the key is patience, first of all. And the second most important thing is to understand who is buying your stuff. You can't just release something in addition of 500 if nobody knows who you are. If you release something, usually what we do, if we release something in addition of 500, that means that we told the artist, did you have 
700 confirmations of people like one to one. They told you like in a personal message that they will actually buy this. Then we can release 500 editions. If you have at least 700, 750 people that said, yes, I really want this. Because some people will forget and maybe, oh, whatever, like this month, I, I, know, I thought I had more money than I, than I actually have, so I'm not going to buy it. So then you're going to be stuck with all of this, this stuff. And, and, and it doesn't look good because especially if you worked hard to build so much hype, you, you go everywhere you can to shout about your, your great release. And, and everyone is excited. Everyone who wants to buy it actually is really excited. But then they, they might feel like some sort of a letdown if, if actually nobody buys it. Like if you release 500 pieces and then you sell only like 50 or 100, it looks weird. Like what happened? Why? Like is something wrong with, with, with your stuff? People start to question. Like that's it's kind of like basic psychology. That's just how people think. Not, nothing is wrong with it, but, you know, that's just how it works. So... As I was saying, the, the most important thing is to be in direct contact with your with your collectors, especially in the beginning phases of your career. At some point, you do reach a certain a certain point where anything you put out sells out. Like if you're a, a major company that does drops all the time and people just can't wait to have your new shoe or whatever, they 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 will sell out. Or if you're Apple, like the, the stuff will sell out no matter what, and you you will get there. But but initially, you have to be very careful. You really have to develop a close connection with your with your collectors, and and understand that some of the people that say yes, I will buy, they will actually not buy it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a different <laughs> strategy, and it's kind of exciting, but it can also be stressful. What this is what something I've seen working with with several artists. It's it's not for everyone, I could say, because. Uh, you will have more success if you are extroverted. That's one thing that. I can say for myself because I'm very introverted. So I struggle to do this kind of hype cycle, but I can do it if I think of it as a tour. So let's say that I go on tour and I know that for three months, I'm not doing anything else apart from being on tour. And it's going to be tough and it's going to suck, but it's, it's also going to be nice. I'm going to make a lot of connections and like I, my music is going to be heard by a lot of people. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to make some money that that's basically how we, we get over the fact that it does take a certain amount of extroversion to, to reach that many people in a, in a short amount of time. But, but yeah, if you usually for our artists, myself included, if you think of it as a tour, then it, it works, which means that ideally this is your job, because if you do have another job, it will be more difficult if you. If you put yourself against a 20-year-old who is just putting everything they've got into this and it's really their top priority to make it, of course, you're going to struggle if, you, if you're doing also other things. And we try to cater also to, to people that have a job and a family, but then these people need to be more patient because they're up against other people that are steamrolling through, <laughs> through, through them. So as I was saying in the beginning, it does take patience, especially if this is not your main gig. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like one of the things that is really at the core of being successful with with music NFT drops is really about building relationships and building your connections with the community overall, and also especially with these like collectors. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about 
the mindset of a collector, like now that you've connected with a lot of collectors and have sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of these collectibles to them, what are some of the traits that you look for that identify someone who's a collector and where do they hang out? And you know, how do you build a relationship with them in the right way that doesn't kind of come across as shallow, like you're just trying to get something from them, but but you're actually looking to build a genuine relationship? Oh, yeah, that's, that's another great question. This is something that we spent a lot of time analyzing, and it, it's something that also we take a lot of time in explaining to, to, to our artists how, like, the differences in collectors, because we kind of identified some types, and it's very important to know also what kind of collector you want to engage with, because it's really, like I was saying before, it's not for everyone to have this hype oh let's go like i got this new release and you get you get everybody excited some people are just more more relaxed they have a different way of delivering their their their, their excitement and so so for example if you want to to cater to 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 the people that get really excited about drops because they know that they they come in a limited supply and they they can be resold for a higher price that's fine. You can totally go that route. And we have some artists in our community that do that. And they're really good at that. And that's great because that means they really found their thing. They're very good at getting people hyped up. And then everybody's happy because all of the, their, their collectors are able to buy their, their products first because of the mechanics of the drop, the way that it's set up. And then they're always able to, to maybe even make some profits because they, these, these assets are sold in bulk to them. It's kind of like a wholesale deal. You come in early and then you resell it to the other people that want it. So you make it in a very small supply, way less than actually there is demand. So that's one way. Then we call those the, the degens, the degenerate gamblers, which is, it's, it's one part of the audience. It's, it's, people are like that. And if you want to cater to that, you can. But then there are also other type of collectors. There are some that, for example, collect stories. And we call those more like the, the influencer type, that they want to share your story with their audience because they feel cool by discovering another cool artist. And so the way that you target them, you definitely don't, you don't have to care about all of your drop mechanics and all of the, the, the characteristics of your drop. You, you probably want to focus on your actual story. You want to have a good story. If you don't have a good story, then don't even go for that route. But if you do have a good story, you can actually go and target the influencer type because then they will collect you and they will spread the word to all of their, their, their fans. And, and people love them. People that are influencers, they are looking for you. They're looking for, for content that is great. And so that's another route. And then there's the, the, the more like the straight collector type. Then for them, they only care about the mechanics of the drop because for them, it's super important, first of all, that you didn't mint it in other places because it has to be unique. And then it's super important that that song is truly unique. That piece that they get is really... It's not like, oh, there are 10 copies that are the same. Uh, you, share, you share it with other people. No, they don't, they don't want that. They want one of one. They really want special things that are signed. They come with all these special features. And these are the, the true collector types that are completely different than, than the, other, the other types that we've seen before. And so for them, you really have to focus on your drop mechanics. 
you, you can forget about the other stuff, but you have to be very careful about your supply and about how you present your things, maybe what you attach to your things. Maybe there are some utilities to different tokens. With this token, I, I come to your house and have a, play a private show or something. Or with this other one, you get all of my merch or, or other stuff like that, really special things. And then who else is there? There's also... Uh, the, the patron. The patrons are, are different. These are people that really don't care about anything. So if you find yourself some patrons, then <laughs> you're, you, you don't have to worry. Like these, these people are just happy to support you. And, and that's, that's something that actually some people already have. If you already have a Patreon account or other forms of, of this kind of support, then you can turn these people into your collectors as well. And yeah, then of course there are also other artists that that collect because they like music, and then for them they don't really care about any of the other stuff. They just want to buy good music from you because they know how hard it is to make it, and they they want to 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 help out. Especially if they had just had a, a, a drop go well, then I see a lot of artists buy a lot of music from other people that maybe are just starting out. So that's also another another great thing. And one, one way to reach this kind of people is, of course, to hang out in the community. You can't just be sitting in your room alone and, and hoping that people will buy your stuff. But if you actually hang out in the community, then you find yourself some collectors amongst the other artists. So yeah, these are some of the few that, that we identified. But there are definitely some subsections. But these are, in general, the, the biggest ones that I can think of right now. Mm, super interesting. Yeah, th thanks for sharing that. And I'm I'm curious if you found if there's like an 80/20 principle to the type of collector in terms of the ones that are collecting the most or that are supporting artists the most. Is it like pretty much evenly spread out, spread out between all of the different types of collectors, or is there one in particular that kind of seems like the 80/20 that like really these are the the people that tend to be doing the most? I think the the biggest one depends on the on the cycle where we're in or on, on the market. That's uh, because it's still so early that we're still tied to the market. Like when, when the hype was huge, I would say put all of your eggs in the basket of the, the gamblers because that's where everybody is. They just want to find the next jam. They want to find some music that is going to pop and, and they want to... You know, they just want to try their luck. For them, it's just like a, a lottery. They just buy all kinds of music and, and, and hope for the best. That was the, the maximum hype. Right now, luckily, <laughs> that's, that's not really happening anymore. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just that that's, that's what the market was. And as, a, as an artist and an entrepreneur, which all independent artists are, you had to go where you had the best results. And that's, that's where it was. But right now, those people are not around so much anymore. So usually what we see that works best right now is finding the people that are either the true collector type that are really in it just to buy great pieces of art. And so you, you focus on a very small supply and just really this one-on-one -on -one interactions that seems to be working really well or something that is always working and has always worked since the begin beginning is finding other artists, like hanging out in the community. And just just being present in in other spaces where people hang out, and that goes more for the extroverts <laughs> because I I'm really I'm a true introvert and I, I actually don't thrive in those spaces where I have to engage with so many people. So for me personally, I really like to find these unique collectors, and then 
some some of these collectors have bought my pieces for like four thousand dollars a piece, like just one piece, and that's great. You just sell one in a month, <laughs> you're good. So so yeah, I it, it really depends on on your personality, and it's it's so different for 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 everyone, and that's why we spend a good portion of our education process in finding out who you are and what you are good at because you can always try to to really push it but you will never you will never make it against people that are just like that by nature if you are an introvert you're not going to win against extroverts in a in a game where extroverts are in an advantage so but the good thing is that it doesn't matter who you are you will find the right audience for you but it's important that you first look in into yourself and figure out what actually makes me comfortable because that's where I'm going to be best at. I'm, I'm going to really thrive here because this just comes natural. I would just do this for free. That's basically what you have to look for. Hmm. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, this is super interesting. Thank you for, thank you for sharing your insights and really looking forward to seeing where things go with the music industry. It seems like there's a huge opportunity specifically in the music industry for this technology to, to revolutionize one of the biggest issues or one of the biggest challenges, which is really about you know, streaming it is both an amazing gift and a blessing. We can all stream an unlimited amount of music, but it's lost its you know, economic value because the, the supply is unlimited and the, it's therefore the demand. If you've ever tried to divide anything by zero, then usually it makes things break. It doesn't make them work very well. At least that's how it works in Google Sheets. One thing I'd love to do is for anyone that's here live right now, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Nifty, uh, specifically about NFTs and about everything we've talked about, feel free to put it in the chat and you can you can either ask it in the chat or if you feel like you actually want to come on here live on the podcast and ask your question, you can also raise your hand by clicking on your icon and raising your hand and coming on to speak. And I'll be happy to answer any questions or to bring any, any questions on here so that Nifty can answer them for you. Uh, Chad BT asked a uh, question. Are you currently offering the service of helping artists create NFTs? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's a great, great question. I love, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, of course I know the answer to, to it, but I, I, I would love to uh, hear exactly how, how what you guys offer works as it relates to creating the NFTs. Yeah. So yeah, this is, that's, that's our main thing. We, first of all is education. So we have different ways that, that we help artists. We, we have what we call Nifty Music Academy, where we really take you in from, from scratch. Like you don't know anything about the blockchain and we take you through a course that lasts for two months and you go from not knowing anything about NFTs to actually already having created some NFTs, having sold some NFTs probably, and being ready to actually release your music in a thoughtful way on the blockchain. That's our first stop for anybody who really wants to start and then we have other products for people that are already more experienced maybe if you're coming out of the of the nifty music academy now you want something a bit more special more custom because your first drops are going to be very simple the ones that 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 we're going to teach you how to do but then we do something that we call floor drops which is basically a way for any artist to have a tradable collection just you, you just have to come with a piece of music and a cover art that's the minimum. Of course, you can have more. Like a lot of people that do a floor drop choose to, to have one song in like three or four different versions, like I was talking about before. Maybe they have different cover arts um, and then many other unique things. 
And so, yeah, we do that for you. Basically, you don't have to do anything. This collection will live forever on the blockchain and every single piece is unique because we have developed a way to 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 generate your artworks. So the way that it looks, uh, it's, it's, it's just like this. It's very simple. It looks like a vinyl on a floor. That's why they call floor drops. And so in in this... In this room, this digital room, there are many items that can be that can be in or out and in different colors, different signed or not signed. So that that way you don't have to think about all of the mechanics. We actually do that for you. So it's it, it could be a start of your career on in Web3 because you maybe start with some some smaller drops like I was saying before, and then you have this, which will always be your first real drop that is tradable and uh, it's very important for for collectors that come in and check out your work it's very important to see that you have something that is very well organized and it shows that you're serious that you actually thought about the process of releasing music on the blockchain and it's not just something that you're doing as a cash grab so that's uh, yeah that's the, the second way that they're helping artists and then of course for some of the people that are really good at, at this and they express the interest in, in having something bigger and more custom then of course we do that as well. And those are collections that, that like you mentioned, those, those numbers that you have are a little bit old. At this point, those collections made over a million dollars in, in, in primary and secondary trading. Those are the, the really big drops that we do. Like in a, Usually it's a real album. It's not just a single. It's like a proper album that you release on the blockchain and in Web3. And we do like a whole campaign, which usually lasts like six to nine months. That's a really intense uh, process, but it's it's very fruitful if you actually put your your effort into it mm. very cool yeah some super exciting stuff so for anyone who uh, i mean for, first of all nifty thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and having a discussion about this I think it's a huge opportunity for all of us as musicians and i really appreciate you both you know c- carving the path yourself and leading by example and learning it yourself and you're creating this community and this education platform to help other artists with it i think it's awesome for anyone who's listening or watching this right now who is interested in learning more or diving deeper into learning more about Nifty Music Academy and what, what you talk about, where would be the best place for them to go to dive deeper? Yeah, sure. So the the first place, of course, you can always send me a, a message. I'm always happy to to help. You don't have to 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 join our course or whatever. Just send me a message on, on X and I, I'm always there, happy to, to answer. And yeah, then if you go to niftymusic.academy, we do have an application form you can apply to to join the course or to do a floor drop with us and we are currently kind of restructuring the whole the whole website so right now you might find things that are different than than than, than what they were a month ago and what they will be in a month but you can already apply and what we wanted to work out with modern musician is to have a discount code that's specifically for everyone who who is in modern musician so i'll, I'll talk with with michael about that and then we'll uh, we'll figure something out but yeah you can already apply right now and and of course if you come from modern musician you'll you'll still get the discount when we when we figure that out but yeah niftymusic.academy you can learn oh. a lot about what we do that's fantastic. Well, th- thank you for doing that. We'll, we'll make sure that if anyone's watching this and on the podcast, we'll make sure to put it in the show notes so that that discount is, is worked out for it. But yeah, I, lo- I love the fact too that you're on X. And so that's, we'll make sure to link up your uh, profile on X so people can reach out and connect personally. And yeah, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun uh, connecting about music NFTs today. That's awesome. I had a lot of fun too. I always love chatting with you. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. 
make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.